Thanksgiving. It was. It's a lot of fun uh, for us. You know, we don't have the opportunity to have all of our children home for Thanksgiving, and so they are. They were all home for Thanksgiving, so that was a lot of fun. Or actually, we we have the opportunity to have them home for Thanksgiving, just the other days of the year, and uh, so they are here. So I'm gonna. I'm not gonna have them stand up or anything because I know they'd love me more. Uh, if you have your Bible today, we're gonna be looking in Isaiah chapter seven, verse number fourteen. So if you want to go ahead and turn there, you can do that. And uh, this is the first Sunday of Advent, and the subject or the focus today for Advent is going to be on hope. And so we're talking about today the hope that we have with the coming of the Messiah. Now, um, as as we get ready for Christmas, one thing that typically happens, if you have parents, if your children, if you remember when your children were younger, what you normally do on Christmas, you get in your car, and a lot of times you will drive uh, many times out of town to go see uh, you're one of the grandparents, and so that's what we what we did. We would go to Emily's parents' house in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and so we'd get in the car, and usually within about, it seems like five, ten minutes, you get in the car, one of your children is going to ask the incredible and famous question, y'all know what it is? Are we there yet? And you know, which is a great question, you know, and so we'd be like, hey, yeah, we're, we're getting close, you know, because Chattanooga's about a six-hour drive, you know, for normal people. Uh, now, for people like me, it's a little bit less, and so I was like, well, you know, we're not quite out of Blythewood yet, but, you know, we're going to get there, and then usually about 30 minutes later, you know, your, your children will ask that question again, are we there yet, and so that keeps on going, you know, for like about six hours, and so like after hour three, you know, there's, I had those thoughts of, you know, I think I'm going to take the car, and I'm just going to go ahead and drive it into a tree, I, just to go ahead and get that over with, I'm kidding, I, we did, never did that. Uh, but it's just sort of a, you know, kind of an interesting trip that you go through whenever you have kids. But I have to tell you this, whenever your kids ask that question over and over, man, I, the older I get, the more I admire that. I said, I admire a, a child's focus. You know, the fact that they are able to keep their eyes, their mind on the prize of Christmas. Because they know that when they get to their grandparents' house, that they have gifts under the tree for them. And they, they are so focused on that that they keep asking, are we there yet? And I, I, as I get older, I think, I wish I had that. You know, I wish I had that kind of a focus where I am looking forward to the future of what God has provided for me. And, and that, that can especially happen to us whenever, you know, when the Christmas season is coming around, it's real easy to get bogged down and, you know, just sort of like the everydayness of, of life and getting prepared for Christmas. We think, yeah, you know, Christmas is coming and got to make sure the house is ready. I got to make sure that, you know, that everybody's going to have a gift, that we've got food prepared. You know, these are the questions that I basically deal with. Emily gets to freeload during this time. But, you know, I've had, all these things are going through my mind as we are moving towards Christmas. And what happens is, is I miss out on what Christmas is really about and what, what God has done for us with the whole Christmas season. And so to help us kind of focus in on on Christmas and what it means, we are going to be taking the rest of this month uh, going through the Advent season. Now, I I, I don't know how many of you are like me, but for those of you who did grow up celebrating Advent, how how many are are there of you that grew up celebrating Advent? Okay, quite quite a few of you. Now, there's a lot of us that did not grow up celebrating Advent. That was not a part of uh, of our, our family tradition. 
And so I have uh, on staff, we have Amy Pellucci, our children's minister, and she has given me an education on Advent. And so Advent is the way that the church for centuries has celebrated the coming Christmas season. And some of you might know this, but Advent very simply means the arrival or the coming, the expectation of the arrival of a Messiah. And so the people, uh, were, they were looking forward to a coming Messiah who would one day come and make everything right. And so that's why we're looking today in Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. And just keep this in mind, as, as we read this scripture today, this scripture was written 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And so the people had been looking forward to, or they were looking forward to, a day when a Messiah was going to come, and he would straighten everything out in this world, that he would give people a hope that they so desperately needed. And we're going to see that today in our text. But I just want to give you a little background information about our scripture today. Uh, in our scripture, Israel at this time was divided into two separate kingdoms. There was the kingdom of Israel, and there was the kingdom of Judah. Now, there was a guy named Ahaz who was the king of Judah. And this is really what the scripture is, who it's driven towards or who it's made for. And so it's King Ahaz, and Ahaz knew that the kingdom of Israel had allied with another kingdom. I know you all are excited about this, but this is the background. And it was the kingdom of Aram, the Aramean kingdom. And they wanted to attack Judah in order to take it over. And so it's, it's, it's two nations against one. And as you can imagine, Ahaz, that, that made him nervous. As a matter of fact, it made the whole nation nervous. We're told in Isaiah 7, 2, that the hearts of the people trembled like trees of a forest, shaking in the wind. So they were scared. And so this is why we look at Isaiah 7, 14, because it's in this one verse that God gave a promise to the people of Judah. He said, I know that there's a couple of nations coming up against you, but I don't want you to worry because I, your God, am going to take care of you. As a matter of fact, in verse 7, God told the people, it will not happen. It will not occur. You're going to be fine. God said, to prove that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a sign. I'm going to send you a sign of deliverance. Now, my guess is that there are some of us who are people like the people of Judah. And as we go through this life, and as we've seen how, as we have seen how culture has shifted and has changed so quickly, our hearts are trembling like the trees in a forest. And my hope for you today is that you're going to see that even though you might feel that way, that one thing God has done for you is that God gives you, that he gives you hope. And he has given you hope, and he shows us that hope every year as we celebrate Christmas. Now, you might say, well, what does Christmas do to give me hope? And we're going to look at a few things or a few reasons why Christmas gives us hope. And here's the very first reason that I see. The first reason why Christmas gives us hope, and it ought to be a hopeful time of year for you because of this. Because the Lord, in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our fears, he gives us a sign. Now, I want you to look with me in verse number 14. It says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, and the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. Now, the people in our text, the people of Judah, they were, they were fearful. 
You know, remember that, that verse said that their, their hearts were shaking like the trees in a forest. And they were afraid that they were going to be destroyed. I mean, they had a couple of nations from the outside who said, we're coming in, we're going to invade you, we're going to take you over. And so what happened is they felt like that they were in a position where they could not win. They felt like they were in a position where they were hopeless. Now, as I, I look at Scripture like this, I say, well, you know, how does this... How does this translate over to us? I mean, does this make any sense to me about what's going on in our text? And, and I, it does to me. Because I think as Christians, there are a lot of us who kind of feel this way. Who feel like that we're, you know, we're being invaded by outside forces. We feel like, you know, as people of faith, we look at what's going on in the world and we start thinking, man, is there, I mean, is there anything that our faith can do to change you know, the, the culture that we're living in? Because things are rapidly changing. I mean, you know, if it, it depends on what age you are, but really it seems like in the last five, ten years that there has been a culture shift that, that's shocking to many of us who, who have grown up in homes that taught us about the things of God. And, and we look at what's being taught in the world today, and y'all, so much of it is like, here's the way it feels to me, and maybe to you as well. There's things that, that we call right that are now being viewed as being wrong. And, and there are things that we have been taught that are wrong that our world now says is right. Now, I don't know how y'all are, but that's real confusing to me. And I, and I feel like I, I, don't, I don't see it really slowing down a whole lot. I feel like that we're sort of like on this roller coaster ride and we're going down. And I'm thinking, man, we don't stand a chance. And, and, I, and that's not good as a Christian to feel that way. And, but, but God knows that in, even in the midst of hopelessness, God gives us Christmas to remind us of something, to remind us that he has given us a hope. Now, the people in our text, they felt hopeless. They're going to be attacked. And, you know, whenever you feel hopeless, it's oftentimes that you, that you can end up making bad decisions. King Ahaz felt hopeless. Now, God had told him, said, nothing bad's going to happen. Hang in there with me. But Ahaz, he was scared. And so what he did is he said, I, I need to find somebody to help us out. Now, I'll be honest with you, when I, when I look at that, I think, now that makes, that makes total sense to me. You know, I, I know that if, if somebody, if I know that there are a couple of people that are coming towards me, and they are, I, I know that they have ill intent in mind for me, you know what I'm doing? If I don't have any place to run, I'm looking for somebody who can help me. You know, I'm looking for somebody who's big and strong and who, uh, who's bigger and stronger than the people who are coming after me. You know, if anybody ever comes up to our office, I'm running to grab James. Y'all ever been next to James before? James is huge. And so I'm looking for, I just, he's just got to get meaner. But, you know, I, I'm looking for somebody that's tougher than I am. Now, that's what Ahaz did. Ahaz said, there's two nations coming after me. And so he went to look for the biggest, baddest nation he could find to help him out. So he went to the Assyrians. Now, you might not care about this, but, y'all, this is important. The Assyrians were the world power at this time. But God did not want the people of Judah to align themselves with them. You know why? Because the Assyrians, they were ungodly people. I mean, they, they worshiped different gods. And, and God knew that if, if they opened up to the Assyrians, the Assyrians would begin to influence them in such a way where they would begin to pay attention to their gods and it would damage and destroy their relationship with the one true God. God's like, I don't want you to do that. But Ahaz was scared. 
He didn't want the, he didn't want them to align with the Assyrians either because you can read about the Assyrians. They, it was a tremendously cruel kingdom. And God knew that if they aligned with them, he's like, you're going to pay a price for that. You're going to pay a price. You're going to lose your freedom. They're going to make you subject to them. And, and so God wanted them to stay away from them. And so God said, listen, I, I want you to know that I'm going to protect you and keep you, and you can know I'm going to do this because I'm going to send you a sign. That's the very first promise of Christmas. Now, Isaiah 7, 14, if you look back there, it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now, if God gives a sign, one thing you have to be good at is reading the sign. You know, if the the sign's going to impact your life, you have to know what the sign is. Otherwise, you're going to miss out. Um, I, I told this story earlier uh, in, in the first service today, and, and uh, it's, it's, uh, I, I probably shouldn't tell it. I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, there was a, uh, you might have heard this story. I love this story. I think it's funny. There was a guy, he, went into a, he, he lived with his father, and his dad was very wealthy, but he's very ill. And so he knew he was going to die soon. He was going to inherit everything. And so he went into a local bar. He sat down. He ordered a drink. This lady, really pretty lady, came and sat down next to him. He thought, yeah, this is my opportunity. He looked at the lady. He said, hey, listen, I know I'm an ordinary guy. He said, but I want you to know within the next couple of months, I'm going to be wealthy. So I want to inherit everything my dad's got, be worth over $20 million. Well, the lady immediately, she perked right up, and she started hanging out with the guy. They got up, and they left together and went back to his house. Nobody was surprised. And four days later, she became his mother-in-law. Now, uh, now that is a lady. That's a lady. Y'all supposed to laugh more. I know. I should. Emily told me to tell that story, so I told y'all. But that is a story of a lady who knew how to read the signs. Now, guys, let me tell you something. If something's going to impact your life and make a difference in your life, you need to know how to read the signs. Isaiah let the people know, hey, God's sending you a sign. Know what the sign is. And that sign would let the people know that God remembered them. Let me tell you something. Christmas brings hope to us because God gave us a sign. Now, the question is, what's the sign? Well, that's the other reason for the hope that we have. That sign was our deliverer. Look with me in verse number 14 again. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign, and the virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. You know, sign, we know the signs are important. And when you're driving, you know, signs are important. You're driving down the road, you have those speed limit signs. You know, they, they tell you how fast you're supposed to go. Whenever you're driving, you will see, you know, there's a curve up ahead. That's a sign that lets you know what's, what's in the future. Uh, whenever you are driving, you can't, there's a sign that says there's a railroad crossing. It's good to know that. Now, if you don't pay attention to those signs, you, you can get in trouble if you don't pay attention. Uh, there is a road, I think it's like, it's Spring, it's spring, spring Lake or Spring Roads. It's in between uh, Longtown and, uh, and Hobart Road. And it's that road that has, it says, speed hump ahead. Y- y'all know what road I'm talking about? Okay, if you know that road, there's like six speed, speed bumps that are just straight ahead, and there's signs that warn you. Well, I was driving down this before they marked them, before they painted them, and, I, and I, I, I saw this. I didn't pay attention to it. I just saw it, and I kept driving, and I was probably doing about 40 or 45 miles an hour. Have you ever gone over like a speed hump at like 40, 45 miles an hour? That's not a good, it's not a good experiment. My head like crunched into the, the ceiling of my car. Now, that's what happens when you don't pay attention to signs. Now, nothing good is really going to come about because of that. 
And so that is what that is what our text was letting the people know. Said the Lord's saying, "I want you to pay attention to the sign because this is a sign I'm sending you, and this sign will rescue you. This sign will bring you deliverance, and this sign will let you know that I have remembered you." Now, here's what I like about God's signs to us: when God gives a sign, it's not like some big mystery. You know, you don't have to wear special glasses to figure out what sign he's given. He doesn't encrypt his messages to us. He's very clear as to what his signs are. Now, now what was the sign that God was sending? Well, if you look again in verse number 14, the sign was going to be the birth of a child. And basically, God was telling the people, when you see this child born, you will know that I am coming to rescue you. And I said, how's the birth of a child a sign? I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I, I, that's not, births are not all that unusual. I mean, you know, they happen every day. Uh, UNICEF said that there are over 350,000 births that happen every day. So how is the birth of a child a sign that shows us that God is going to deliver us? Well, it was a, it was a, a pretty specific sign that God gave. He said this child's going to be different because if you look in verse 14 again, he lets us know it's going to be different because this child that's going to be born is going to be born of a virgin. Just in case you don't know, that's different. Okay, the, word, the word virgin, it means to lie hid. It's referring to young ladies being closely kept from the gaze of men while living with their parents. They're, they're, they're keeping their, their daughters away from men until it is time for marriage. Remember, this was written 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Lord said, this is also going to be a sign that you're going to recognize because when this child is born, this child's name will be Emmanuel. You know what the name Emmanuel means? It means God with us. Now, you might look at that and say, well, that's not Jesus' name. You know, that's, that's not, I mean, how is that speaking of him? Well, it was, it was showing, the name was showing the role that Jesus would play. See, whenever Jesus entered into this world, Jesus entered into this world as God in flesh to live among men. Literally, God with us. That's what John 1.14 tells us. It says, the word became flesh and took up residence among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, you might look at that and say, well, why, does this, why does this stuff matter? I mean, why is it really all that important? Because, y'all, man is doomed without God being with us. You know, we are doomed because of sin. And the Bible tells us in Romans 6, 23, it says the wages of sin is death. Now, who sinned? Well, we all have. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, the good news comes at the end of Romans 6, 23, which tells us that it is through Jesus that we receive the forgiveness of sin. We are rescued because of Jesus. There is eternal life through Christ. Now that is why we need God with us. Jesus entered into our world in order to save us. Did you know the name Jesus? It means God saves. The people in our text... Remember, there's two nations coming up against them. They needed to be rescued. As today, we need to be rescued. Because we are living in the bondage of sin. 
And that's why Jesus entered into our world in order to give us freedom. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, it was prophesied that Jesus would enter into our world. Now you might say, well, how does that text, 700 years before Jesus, how do we know that's about Jesus? Well, because Matthew said it was. In Matthew 1, verses 20 through 23, it says, An angel of the Lord suddenly appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son. You are to name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, and that was Isaiah. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Now, why does Christmas give us hope? Now, Christmas gives us hope because God, on the very first Christmas, he sent us a sign. What's a sign? It was a son. Now, who's the son? The son is the deliverer. And here's probably my favorite part about all of it. There's another reason why Christmas gives us hope. It is this, because the sign is for all of us. It's for every one of us. Now, look with me in verse number 14 again. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. And I want to kind of step back a little bit. You might say, well, this is good. You're talking about Christmas. But how does this Christmas story fit in with the people that are getting ready to be attacked, you know, by like the, uh, the Israelites and the Arameans? So if you, if you like history, you might be curious about that. If you're not curious about it, it doesn't matter because I'm going to tell you anyway. So here's how it all fits in. Okay, so they're worried. Hey, we're scared. God says, I'm going to take care of you. This is what you call a present and future prophecy being fulfilled. It's a two-in-one prophecy. And so God said, hey, listen, there's going to be a child born today and then also one in the future that's going to be assigned to let you know you're going to be delivered. The, the future one or the present one was Isaiah it's very, very probable that Isaiah, this was speaking of Isaiah's son, who was going to be born in the future. Isaiah, his first wife had died. He married again. His second wife was a virgin. She conceived, she conceived through Isaiah, bore a son, and we know that within 12 years that the Israelites and the Arameans were defeated just like God said they were going to be. So that's the, that's the present, that's the present prophecy being fulfilled. The future, one, the future one speaks of Jesus. And Jesus knew that, that we are a people that are in bondage and need deliverance as well. And God said, I'm going to send a different kind of child who is God in flesh, who's going to enter into this world in order to give you freedom from the bondage of sin. And that freedom he gives is going to be for all people. And you say, how do you know that? Yeah, you, you know the verse John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved, and here's the key part, the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life for all of us. You know, there is a war that is going on right now for each and every person. God is warring right now for you. Because he wants you to have freedom from the bondage of sin. He wants you to experience eternal life. But the devil's also warring for your soul. 
But he is warring for your soul in order to destroy you and to keep you from the hope and the promise of the deliverer. In 1 Peter 5a, we are told, be serious, be alert, your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Now, I, I believe this. I believe that the older we get, that the more and more you, you begin to realize that in a lot of ways, this life, it, it is a battle. Now, it really is. You get older, it's, it's a battle physically. Yes, as you get older, you know, there's just, you know, things just don't come as easy as they used to. You know, you can actually sneeze when you get older and you, like, pull a muscle in your back. You know, as, as you get older, your, your vision begins to get a little bit fuzzy. You're, you're sore all the time. Things are, are quickly changing. It becomes very different. And there's some of us, we feel, we feel like, you know what, I, I, I don't think I could ever be rescued. You know, I just, I just feel like, man, I'm just, I'm just worn out and I'm tired and I look into the future and here's what I know about the future. Life doesn't last forever. And, and, and we begin to think, and you become a little bit more reflective as you get older, and you start thinking this. You know, if I'm getting older, and life's going to end. You know, I need somebody to rescue me. You know, I, I need a hope, knowing that there's something else beyond this life. And so we begin to hope, and we begin to look towards God. Many people do, and they begin to look towards God, and there's some people who say, I, I, but I don't think I can be rescued because I'm not good enough. Because I've done too many things in my past that are, that are, just, that are just absolutely wrong. And, and God can't overlook those things. That's why it's important that we understand this about the sign that God gives. God's sign for deliverance is for all people. Not good people. It is for all people. Regardless of who you are. Regardless of how you lived. Or what your position is. God's come for us all. That's Christmas. You know, and it reminded me of a story, and you might remember this. It was back, I think it was back in like 2010. There was, it made national news, actually worldwide news. There was a mine in Chile that collapsed. And whenever there was a collapse, there were 33 men that, uh, that were down in the mine when it collapsed. And what the people up, uh, you know, up uh, above ground knew that the guys uh, 2,000 feet didn't know is that they, they knew what had happened. So these men are 2,000 feet below ground. They, they went to this little, like, basically like an ante room where they, had, where they had temporary provisions. So they went in there and they're trying to, you know, trying to be careful with their intake of water and food. But they didn't know if anybody knew what had happened or if they even knew they were alive. And as they began to run out of supplies, it, they started getting nervous. And, and a couple, y'all think about this, a couple of weeks passed by and they're underground and they haven't heard anything. And some of them are contemplating suicide. They're contemplating how they're going to survive, what they're going to eat. And it was gruesome. But after a couple of weeks, there was a group of engineers that sent a cable down, had a camera on it, and they made it down to that little shelter area, and they were able to look in, and they saw all 33 men still alive. As you can imagine, basically the message the 33 men had was, get us out. And so there's a group of engineers that came from America. And they're trying to figure out how can we drill a shaft down that's not going to collapse in on that one room where they're surviving so that we can rescue those men. And so they, they finally went for it. They said, we're going to do it. We're going to try to get the shaft down there. Extremely dangerous, but they sent a capsule down. And when they sent that capsule down, it was a 15-minute journey down. 
And when it opened up, it, it allowed, like, I think it's one or two men could get on at a time. Now, when they sent that capsule down, 33 men, who do you, who do you think that capsule was for? The foreman, you know, three of the nicest guys. The capsule's for everybody. They said they had to wait for it. And after, after they made 33 trips, and they rescued every one of those men. But that capsule was for them all. Now, let me tell you something. That's Christmas. That's what Christmas is. God, who's, who's above us, and we're down here in this mine, and it's, everything's collapsed around us. We are in darkness. And God sent his son Jesus down as the capsule to rescue us. And he didn't just come to rescue a few people. He came for us all. He came to rescue us all so that we might have life, so we might experience freedom. And so that's why Christmas, Christmas is about hope. As we live in the darkness, there is hope for us. And God has done incredible things for us. See, what he's done is he's given us a sign. And that sign is a deliverer. And the sign that he gave, it is for all people. But, but we need to keep this in mind. You think about those Chilean miners. When the capsule came down, none of them would have been rescued had they not gotten on the capsule. And so as we celebrate Christmas, keep this in mind. If you want to be delivered and you want hope that's going to impact your life, you have to remember this. You have to get on the capsule to be rescued. You have to place your hope and your trust in Jesus to take you out of the darkness and bring you into the light. And how does that happen? You just simply call out to him and say, Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, I believe that you came into this world to redeem, to save all of us. Jesus, take me. We celebrate Christmas. I want you to understand this. Christmas is about hope. Moving from darkness into light. Mm-hmm.